You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. Uh, so, welcome uh, everyone, and um, my name is Lucas, if you didn't know. And, uh, and we're going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, now, last week we took a break, right? Um, <clears throat> and uh, Pastor Mike from Restore, he came in and talked to us about communion, right? Uh, communing with each other as we commune with Christ. Uh, we also uh, did a baby dedication as well. Uh, so that was a great encouragement. Uh, but we've, uh, we've been in uh, the book of Ephesians, and so far we've, we've covered the first chapter. So today we're actually going to start in the second chapter uh, and just kind of uh, pick through that. But uh, if you haven't been with us for uh, the first chapter, we'll go ahead and recap. Uh, and even if you have been with us, we'll just refresh your memory. So um, we, uh, we started off uh, in Ephesians, and uh, Paul really starts off with this whole concept of uh, spiritual blessings, if you guys remember that, that whole conversation. Uh, and really, after, after Paul kind of greets uh, the Ephesian church, uh, he really just kind of, he just leans in to let's bless our Heavenly Father because he blesses us with spiritual blessings, right? And it's just, and it, you, you can almost feel it coming off the page, just, just how amped uh, Paul is and just the energy from uh, the excitement that he has about these spiritual blessings. And, and we just, we get so much from Christ and it's, it's not just a resurrection, it's, it's, it's even more than that. And, and you, can, you can just feel the energy from Paul and, uh, and again, we talked about in that first sermon, uh, what's going on in the background is Paul's in prison, and he's amped, right? And, and just how challenging that, that can be uh, for, for just our proclivity to, uh, to be entitled, right? Like so often we look at our lives and we're just like, yeah, life's good, but it could be better. Or, uh, yeah, this, this is all right, but... And we, we, always, we always put that but at the end of that, and, and Paul, it's just not the, the spirit of Paul. Paul was just so excited. He was just so amped about these spiritual blessings while he's in prison. And that, that's, that's so challenging, and it, and it really kind of hits us in the face where it's just like, man, am, am, am I amped about this? Do I, do I feel that same energy? Do I feel uh, the weight of those spiritual blessings that we have in Christ? And, uh, and also what, what's going on in the background is, is, is Paul's writing to the Ephesian church, and we, we talked about this as uh, understanding who the Ephesian church was. Uh, this, this was a city, uh, they had the, the temple of Artemis, um, and, uh, and so there was, there was a lot of, within that culture, there was a lot of divination, there was a lot of uh, like magical uh, works. Um, they, these, uh, a lot of people would have these magical papyri uh, that, uh, that would sell for just ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and what these papyri were, is they, they weren't necessarily uh, coherent magical incantations. It's people would just kind of mess around with words uh, while they're kind of speaking with, uh, with spirits and just see what, what combination of words would make spirits do X, Y, and Z. And once they figure that out, if you, and we have some of these papyri, uh, it's just nonsense, but these people had figured out, if I, if I say these words in certain rhythm uh, and in a certain order, I could get a spirit to do X, Y, or Z, right? Um, and, uh, and so th this, was, this was fairly common within Ephesus. And, uh, and then we also have documentation that like, there's, when Paul comes in, all these people get saved, Right? And, uh, and so they, they take all of their uh, magic papyri, they take uh, kind of divining paraphernalia and whatnot, and they all, they all put it in a pile and they burned it. 
And it says they burned about 50,000 days' wages worth of material. Which, uh, I, I did some rough math, and that's the only math I do, but the, <laughs> the, the rough math, if, if you take like $40,000 salary, right, you divide that by how many days in the year, uh, and then you multiply that by 50,000, uh, that would be $5,500,000 worth of stuff that was burned because people had walked away from their old life and walked into Christ. And, and, and so th- this is the background that's going on. And also uh, what's happening in the background we find in, in, in Acts 19, um, that the Jewish population was, uh, was actually uh, pretty big in Ephesus too, but they weren't immune to this, this uh, proclivity to, uh, to magics. Uh, and, uh, and so obviously demon possession was pretty common in Ephesus. Uh, and so uh, the Jewish people, they were, they were really uh, motivated to cast out demons. And, uh, and there's these uh, sons of Sceva. I don't know if anyone has heard this story or is familiar. But, uh, but these sons of Sceva, they were, they were Jewish men that wanted to cast out demons. And, uh, and so they heard that this Paul's walking around saying the name Jesus Christ, and demons seem to cast out. So they're like, cool, let's give it a shot, right? And so they, uh, they find a particularly strong demon, and so they, um, they go to cast it out, and they say, uh, in the name that Paul calls Jesus Christ, come out. And the demon says, now I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, I don't know you guys. <laughs> and so the demon uh, proceeds to, uh, to beat them, and, uh, and they run away naked, right? So um, now... I'm no fighter, but I feel like if you walk into a fight fully clothed and you leave naked, you've lost that fight, right? <laughs> so so this, is, this is what's going on in the background. So, uh, so this is Ephesus, right? Um, and so this is one of the reasons why uh, in the book of Ephesians, you see a lot of, of conversation about the spiritual realm. Uh, there's a lot of conversations about uh, about spiritual warfare, and we're going to start that conversation today, and I know it's super interesting. We just, we're, we don't have time to like really dig into that, uh, but don't worry. Uh, it, it comes up over and over and over, so we will do it justice in the course of, uh, of the series, but uh, just recognize we're going to start the conversation today, but not really dig, in, uh, dig into it. So that's, that's what's going on in the background. Paul's talking about these spiritual blessings uh, which again would speak to people because that's, that's what they were trying to do in, in divinations is they're trying to get the spirits to do what they want. And Paul's saying, no, 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 it doesn't work like that with, with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work like that with God. God gives you spiritual blessings and you do nothing to do that, to get that. And so, it, and it really kind of, it, it pivots a lot of their, uh, their preconceptions of what spiritual gifts are, spiritual blessings are. And Paul's so amped about this, and then he, he kind of transitions into uh, this, uh, this overwhelming thankfulness. And it, like he, in Paul's mind, how, how can you not just be so thankful? How could you not thank God? How could you not just praise his name for these spiritual blessings? And so, and that was what we talked about in the, in the next sermon series, or the next sermon, uh, was we were talking about uh, having a spirit of thankfulness. And how, how we just, there's something inside of us that really craves to be appreciated, right? And, uh, and so what, what we were talking about is, is we appreciate God because he's given us these blessings, right? He's given us the ability to be appreciated uh, and also to appreciate. And what kind of naturally flows out of that is this, this spirit of prayer, and just praying for each other, uh, praying, and Paul says this, is, I pray that you guys understand the revelation of God more fully. 
just constantly understanding more, constantly learning, constantly growing in your knowledge of Christ. And how this, this, this spirit of thankfulness really breeds a spirit of prayer uh, within the congregation. So, today, uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter 2. We're going to go through verse 1 through 10. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the passage for you guys, uh, and then I'll tell you all three of my points. Uh, I, I generally like to do that, is just lay it all out there. Uh, that way you guys know kind of where we're going. And, uh, and so, we'll, we'll read through this. I'll go through my points, and then uh, we'll go ahead and pray and uh, get digging into it. All right. Verse 1. So chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your offenses and sin, in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all previously lived, in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come we might show the boundless riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So what we're going to be looking at, uh, and again, these are our three points, and we're just going to go over them over and over is uh, what we're going to look at is we are saved. And that's what Paul's getting at. We are saved. But we're going to finish that sentence in three different ways. So the first way we're going to finish that is we are saved from what we were before Christ. So we are saved from what we were before Christ. And then the second point is we are saved because of who God is. And then the last point is we are saved into something more. So we, uh, I, I used to lead a lot of uh, hiking trips and canoeing trips and whatnot, and we always, uh, we always said there's three ways to get lost. One way is if you know where you are, but you don't know where you're going. The second way is if you know where you're going, but you have no idea where you are. And the third way is if you don't know either. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah, really lost. So uh, this, is, this is kind of uh, what we're doing. So, uh, so we're going to find out where we were, right, where we're going, and then we're also going to know who God is in that process. So, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll dig into uh, each of those points as we go. But before we go much further, uh, I want to go ahead and pray for us, and uh, then we'll get started. Dear God, I just thank you for, uh, for today, and just thank you for uh, just another opportunity for us to, uh, to dig into your word and, uh, and just explore uh, more of your grace and your mercies in our life. I ask that you just kind of open our hearts and open our minds to, uh, to everything that you, you have for us. And, uh, and I just ask that you, uh, you speak to your church uh, today. And we love you, and thank you again. Amen. All right. 
So uh, the first section that we're going to be going over, and that's, uh, that's the first point. So again, that's uh, we are saved from what we were before Christ. So this is what we are saved from. And again, uh, we need to know where we are in order to know kind of where we're going. So that's the first point, and we're going to uh, just hang out in verse 1 through 3. So just the first three verses. Um, and again, Paul, he, he kind of sets up, there's, there's this, all this excitement, right? Spiritual blessings and thankfulness and just so much energy and excitement about what we have in Christ and, and pray for each other and pray that, pray that we learn more about Christ. Uh, and then chapter 2 starts and he's like, and you were dead. And you're like, ooh, <laughs> like, it's, it's a pretty sharp, uh, sharp drop there. Um, and, uh, and, and Paul likes to do that. He doesn't ease you into anything, right? He just kind of drops you into it. Um, and so uh, we'll just read uh, one through three. And it says, And you were dead in your offenses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. According to them, we too all previously lived in our lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. What, uh, and you'll see this, and I want to highlight for you just right now, right off the gate, because uh, we're, we're going to see this over and over and over, uh, is this concept of being in something. Okay? So just, just kind of zero in on that and, and kind of uh, uh, put your radar out for when we see this in language. And Paul starts us off with this concept of you were dead in offenses and sins. And then throughout the rest of the text, really after this point, uh, he only talks about how we are now in Christ. So just, just kind of hone in on that and just pay attention as we go, because uh, that, that'll come up over and over. But what, what Paul's highlighting here in these first three verses is this very important doctrine uh, that's known as depravity. Um, and, uh, and if you're familiar with Calvinism at all, uh, they, they kind of uh, define this as total depravity. Uh, we're not going to get into uh, all that and the, the differences. Um, but I, if you don't know, I teach theology and apologetics to high schoolers. And uh, so when I teach them depravity, I, uh, I kind of give them this definition. It's, uh, it's a universal nature of sinfulness that all humans bear. And it's, it's, it's universal in that everybody has it. No one escapes this. And, uh, and we even talked about this uh, during Christmas. Is, uh, the, way, the way it's actually structured in, this, in the scriptures is that if Adam is your father, then you have his sin nature, right? Um, so if you, if you have a dad, you have a sin nature, right? So thanks, dad. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's this, this concept that, that we have, we all, we're all born with a sin nature. Even during the baby dedication, uh, Pastor Mike said this, where he's like, babies, you're, you're super cute, but you're broken, right? You need Christ. And, uh, and so all of us are, are we're just, we're, we're, we're born into this, this nature, and we all have this. And we, we don't need to go long in, in just history. Uh, even if you, if you wanted to, you could take a step back from the Bible and just look at history, right? In the 20th century alone, what some, uh, some ridiculous number of people have been killed uh, just through genocides and exterminations, right? Like, pe- people treat each other in just awful, awful ways, specifically in the, uh, in the uh, city of Ephesus. Um, abortion was particularly dangerous, and so what women would do is if they didn't want the baby, they would just throw it on the pile of trash and just leave it, right? 
And just, just imagining carrying a child for that long and then giving birth to it and just saying, I'm done. And just throwing it on trash. And if the baby were to survive, uh, generally what would happen is someone would take that baby, if it was a male, they would take it and they would, uh, they would make it a slave or a servant. If it was a female, uh, often she would be used as kind of like a sex slave. Um, but it was just property. It was just a thing. It wasn't a human, right? And there, there's something inside of us that just, that's just, that's abhorrent, right? But again, we, we don't have to go far to see that this, like, we, as humans, we're just, we're very, like, kind of scary, in scary ways, depraved. Uh, and, uh, and often, and what would happen in Ephesus, we even see this in Philippi, uh, is sometimes these babies, they would be taken in, uh, and, uh, and these people would actually cast, and they would call demons to uh, possess this child. And so they would take these babies just to have demon-possessed kids and try to make money on them. If you're familiar with the story in Philippi, as, as Paul and Barnabas walk in, uh, and this young girl that was owned by these guys, uh, she, would, uh, she would kind of prophesy uh, with the demon inside of her. And so uh, Paul and Barnabas, they cast the demon out, and they get thrown into prison because now these guys have lost their income. Really? Like, that's, that's why they were thrown into prison, is because they released this little girl from a demon. Right? And, and so the, just the depravity that's, that's built within humanity is, is, is very gross, right? And it's, it's, it's jarring at times. But this is something that we all have. We're all born with this proclivity. We're all born with this depravity. And that's, that's exactly what Paul says, is, is you were dead in offenses and sins. And offenses is, this, is, is kind of this concept of habitual sin, sin that we do all the time, right, over and over and over, and then sin is just kind of a general kind of um, uh, punctuated sin that we willfully do. So some of that is habit, some of that is willful, uh, and Paul says it doesn't really matter, and even later on he says, uh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and the mind. Sin is not just something we do, it's something that we think, it's how we think about each other, it's how we think about ourselves, it's how we think about God. And So sin kind of, it just permeates through who we are. And if that wasn't enough, uh, we were dead in sin and offenses. He says, you were also previously walked according in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. This, this is who we were previously. This is who we were before Christ is not only were we broken, not only were we dead, but we also walked, our, our, our intentions were in accordance with Satan or the devil, which is this prince of the power of the air. And this power is uh, kind of, uh, the word behind that is this concept of a domain. So anything within this world that has power, that's, that's Satan's rule, right? And, uh, and I... I also teach this to my kids, is uh, often we have this, uh, what I call Bugs Bunny theology, um, where we, we have this concept of something spiritual uh, that's nowhere in the Bible, right? But we, sometimes we believe it, like when we die, we become angels. No, that's just what happens to Bugs Bunny, right? <laughs> right? Or, uh, or also like Satan, right? Generally our concept is he's got a pitchfork and generally a pointy tail. He's all red and he's just cackling in hell because I guess it's a good time. And so that, that's our concept, but that's not true. It's just not in the Bible. Where is Satan? He's here. This is his domain. We're in his backyard, right? 
And that, that's what Paul's talking about, is, is we were actually children of this. We were children of disobedience. We were children of wrath. And this concept, if you could just imagine disobedience personified, and it has a kid, that kid would be disobedience, right? Or wrath personified. If it had a kid, that kid would be wrath. Just like me, when I have a kid, it's a human, right? And so we were children of wrath. We were children of disobedience. That's what we were born into. We were born with this depravity. And it's kind of this, this desperate situation. Paul's reminding them, don't forget where you were. Don't forget where you were. Because again, that's going to help us radically in understanding where we're going and what we are now. And this, this, this hits heavy, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this uh, a couple other times, but uh, what, what's most important is he says, you were like this, just like the rest. And Paul's reminding them, you have ex-brothers and sisters that are still out there. We have a responsibility here, right? And this, this really does a lot of damage to what we have. Uh, generally, what develops in the church is this weird superiority complex. It's us against them. Uh, we have Christ, and you're just, you're just broken. You can't see the blessings. And it's just, no, 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 no. no. They were just like you, and you were saved. Can't God save them? And so there, there's a lot of weight to this, Right? And so as this, as this passage progresses and it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier, verse 4 starts and it says, but God, who's rich in mercy. Yeah. And this is, this, he just turns on a dime again. So he just kind of, uh, he builds up to this moment and then he just drops us into depravity and then he just pulls us back out because God is rich in mercy. And that's what leads us to our second point, is we were saved because of who God is. We were saved because of who God is. And so we're going to look at this next uh, portion of the text, and we're actually going to go through it twice. And what, what's important about this is we're, we're going to read this passage twice, and we're going to highlight certain things as we go. Uh, because what's, what's bound up in, in verse 4 through 10 is who God is and who we are now in Christ. And it's, it's, it's very interesting because it's almost as if Paul can't separate those things, right? Who God is and who we now are are intricately uh, woven, right? You, you can't really pull them apart. You might be able to follow the strings and see how one string is different from the other, but you can't, you can't separate them. And so that's why we're, we're going to go through this, this passage twice and just focus uh, our attention on a couple different things. But again, uh, just, just keep an eye out for this in Christ language, okay? All right, so let's, uh, let's read uh, verse 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. So that in the ages to come, he might show us the boundless riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand so they may walk in them. So, this, this passage, is, uh, there's a lot to unpack here, and, and really for the entire book of Ephesians. There's, uh, there's, each of these sections could be their own little mini-series. Um, and so we, we are going to skip a lot, and we're going to pass over some stuff. Uh, there's a lot of theological debate in some of this language. So uh, we're, we're, there's a lot to, uh, to kind of skip over. So I just want to prepare you guys, like we're, we're going to dig as deep as we can, but we're not going to go as deep as we could. So again, what, what I want, and I highlighted uh, certain portions because I want us to zero in on who God is. And the first part, and this is, this is what Paul highlights right out the gate, is, is we're broken, we're depraved, we're hopelessly broken, we are in uh, sin, we are in offenses. We walked in accordance to Satan and the world and our brokenness. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. And this is the first aspect of who God is, and this is radically important, is because if God is rich in mercy, and he says that mercy, whatever mercy God has, it's proportionate to his love. He is rich in mercy because of his love, that he loved us. And I, I don't know if you guys have ever interacted with someone where they say, um, that, that's great that you got saved, that's great that you found uh, kind of what you're looking for, uh, but I, you just don't know what I've done. Right? I've done too much. I'm too far. I'm too far gone. I can't be saved. And the question is, well, well how, how far do you think you've gone? Right? How big do you think God's mercy is? And the answer to that question is, well, how big is God? Because it's proportionate to his love, and we found in 1 John uh, last year that if God is love and his mercy is proportionate to that love, wouldn't his mercy be infinite? And this, this is, is, is radically important. This is exactly what Paul's highlighting here. Is just We need to understand that if, if we were previously that and we've been saved because his mercy is infinite, can't that infinite mercy also cover our ex-brothers and sisters? Couldn't it cover them all? Don't we have some responsibility here? And so it, it's, it's, this is who God is. He, ha, he has this heart of mercy. He has this heart of love. He has this heart of reconciliation. But that doesn't mean that God is not unjust, right? And this is another very common criticism is how could a good God send people to hell? And the real Kind of the, the, the real issue is if God is just, how could he save, how could he get anyone into heaven? If, if God just forgave sins, if he just said, ah, oh, don't worry about it, bud, and just said, come on and hang out with me for all of eternity, how was that justice? How was that good? How could a good God actually get any of us into heaven? And it really does beg this question, how could, how could God be perfectly just and perfectly merciful all at the same time? And people who, who ask that question, who don't understand how God can be just and merciful, uh, they just, they haven't grappled with Christ. Isn't that Christ? Where Christ was able to, he was able to pour out his wrath on himself, on God, on Christ, the only person who could endure the wrath and then still raise from the dead, the only person that was able to pay for sins and still survive the event, the only person that could give us justice and also offer us mercy. And so this, this, this concept of, of, of God being 
completely merciful. He's, his mercy, he's rich in mercy, and that mercy is proportionate to his love. And, and, and God has to be just, and this is all, it's all bound up in Christ. And, and this, what Paul's highlighting here is this, it's, it's always been about Christ. It's always only been about Christ. And this is kind of that next section that I highlighted, and that's in verse 7. It says, so that in the ages to come, he might show the boundless riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. And this, this is who God is, and this is another aspect. So God is rich in mercy, uh, but he's, he's also just desperate to reveal himself to us. And so th- this is why we are saved. So we are saved because of who God is. Well, who is God? Well, he, he wants to reveal himself. That's, that's what he's interested in, right? And so he saves us so that for the rest of eternity, we can explore the boundless, the limitless, the e- eternal riches of his glory. This, this is why we're saved. We're, we're saved so that we can experience uh, his grace for all of eternity and just explore all the different dimensions to that uh, for the rest of time. And that never stops. But there's a flip side to this. Because if, if you could imagine for a moment that God doesn't save anybody, okay? None of us get to experience his love. No one gets to experience his grace and his mercy. Which aspect, how, what do we actually learn about God? Well, we, we would then spend all of eternity exploring the boundlessness of his wrath. And he never gets to reveal so much more of himself. He's so much more than just. He's also merciful and gracious. And so we get to experience this boundless grace and the alternative was experiencing boundless wrath. And Do, do you feel that the weight of that? Is that we, we get to experience the boundless grace but not all of us. That's, it's, a, it's a terrifying thought. And what could motivate us more outside of the love of Christ is saving this unsaved world, saving our ex-brothers and sisters, reaching out to them, showing them the boundless grace that we get to experience, uh, and, and just pleading with them, know Christ, live better, right? And, and not just like Christian morality, that's not what we're talking about, but it's, it's a satisfaction of your soul, it's, it's, it's abundance of life, it's grace, it's love, it's it's, it's satisfaction, it's rest. And this, this is what we get to experience. And, and, and like I said, like how, how much more motivation do we need, right? To, to share this with an unsaved world, there's so much riding on this. And, uh, and so Paul goes on and he says, uh, this salvation that he's talking about, it is a gift from God or gift of God, and we, we talked about this in, uh, in the first one, is that we get these spiritual blessings, uh, but God is he's, he's a good gift giver, right? He gives us good gifts. And this is who he is. He, he can't just stop at bringing us from dead to life and just making us some kind of like Frankenstein. He's, he's making us into something bigger. He's giving us good gifts. He's, he's doing something so much more, and we'll explore that in the next uh, portion. Uh, and that's the next part that I highlighted, is his workmanship created... Uh, his, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. 
And again, this is another very important aspect or attribute of God is that God is, some, it's called immutability. God doesn't change, right? And we looked at that in, in Malachi, we went through Malachi as God tells Israel, I don't change and that's to your benefit because I promised your fathers a long time ago that I wouldn't wipe you off the face of the earth, right? And if I changed, it'd be bad news for you, right? So I, I don't change, and that's to your benefit. But something that we miss about that immutability is that if God doesn't change, that means he doesn't get better. He doesn't become more perfect. We don't add anything to him. And that, that becomes very important in this next section is that we don't do good works for, like, we, we don't add good works to God. He already made the good works. We just get to do them through him in Christ. And we, the Bible talks about how, uh, how we, get, uh, we get this crown of life and we get these precious gems in, in eternity, uh, and, and that's awesome. Uh, but what people often don't talk about is how we then take those gifts and those treasures and we lay them at the feet of Jesus because they were never ours in the first place. So we, we don't add anything to God. We don't make him better. We don't, we, don't, uh, we don't add anything to what he already had. He already has everything. Everything is already his. And so keeping that in mind, this is going to help us uh, in uh, understanding kind of we are saved into something more. And that's the last point. Is we are saved into something more. And this is this, this, uh, this concept that we, we, we often talk about. We often talk about how, how we're saved uh, out of sin. We're saved out of danger. We're saved out of wrath. And that, that's very true. That's very important. But what are we saved into, Right? Uh, you could be saved from some sort of danger and then, uh, I don't know, you could, you could be in a car wreck and just uh, your seatbelt saves you and then you step out into the road and get hit by a car, right? Like, just because you're saved doesn't necessarily mean that you're safe, right, moving forward. And so it does beg this question, what are we saved into? What's, what's coming down the pike? What, 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 do we, what do we get in this, right? And that's, that's, that's something that's very important and we're going to, again, read through this passage and, uh, and dig into that. And I'm going to read this one more time. You can't read it enough. So we're going to start in verse 5 this time and go through 10. And even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the boundless riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not a result from works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So what, what we have been saved into, and, and Paul starts this off uh, right at the gate in, in verse 5, is he says, we were dead in our wrongdoings, in offenses and sins. Uh, so we, we were dead in those things, uh, but then we were made alive together in Christ, or with Christ in this instance. And so what, what we need to kind of focus in on is, what, what is Paul saying this in Christ? What, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, and essentially, what, what it's this, this argument that, uh, whatever Christ inherits, we inherit. If we're in Christ, then whatever Christ goes through, we go through, right? 
And, uh, and a lot of people, uh, especially in prosperity, gospel, health and wealth gospel, they say, uh, you know, we, just like Jesus, we're, we're in Christ. So we get all the riches and, and, uh, and fame and glory uh, that Christ had. And what they neglect is Jesus was homeless, right? He, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was betrayed. He was beaten. He was lied to. And so it begs this question, why should we expect anything different, right? Now, it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus also participated in death. So we too should participate in death, right? But in death, Christ conquers sin. So in our death, wouldn't we too then conquer sin? And then after death, Christ was raised from the dead. So wouldn't we too be resurrected? And if Christ is then seated at the right hand of God and put over all dominion and given all authority... Wouldn't we too be seated in heavenly places? You see how this, this, this concept of in Christ, is, it, it changes everything. And that, that's, that's exactly what Paul's building out here, is, is we were dead in our wrongdoings and we were made alive together with Christ. It's by grace that you have been saved. So you have been saved, uh, and what this salvation is, is yes, we were dead, but now we're alive. And that's, uh, that's the, the first aspect of this salvation, uh, is being vivified or being made alive, turning into something dead uh, and then something that's alive. Uh, I heard one preacher give this example of, uh, we think about something dead and we, maybe we can give CPR or maybe we can uh, like revive it in some way. Uh, he said, no, 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 it's, it's, it's more like, um, uh, I don't know, an animal gets hit on the road, uh, now it's roadkill, and it's been baking in the sun for like a couple weeks, right? And then you take that carcass and you bring it home and you try to give it CPR, right? That, that's, that's more likened to the situation that we're in, right? But God has taken that dead thing that's just full of poison, depravity, and has made us into something alive, something that breathes again. And this, this concept that when, when we're dead, we, we, ha- we respond to no stimuli. You can't make a dead body do anything. But when we're alive, we, we, we respond to spiritual stimuli. We, we respond to God. And, and a lot of people, they, they have this question of, they, they question their salvation because it's, I just keep messing up and I keep sinning and I, I, I keep doing the things that I don't want to do and I just keep going back to my own filth and it just, it, it kills me. And they're just like, am I even saved? And I'm like, you, it kills you. It kills you. You just said it. That's massive. If you respond to, to spiritual stimuli, you got something going on. I'm, I, you know, th- whether you're saved or not, that's between you and God, and you do need to wrestle with that, right? But if you respond to spiritual stimuli, you can't be dead, and that's, that's, that's good news, right? And then Paul goes on in verse 6, and he says, uh, and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we're going to kind of dig into that a little bit more um, in just a little bit. And so we're, we're going to skip down to, uh, to uh, kindness toward us. And again, we, we use uh, verse 6 to, uh, to kind of illustrate who God is, uh, but that ends with this kindness toward us. And that tells us, again, kind of who we are now uh, in Christ, what we've been saved into. 
is what happens is, is God just doesn't vivify us. He doesn't just make us alive, but he also allows us to experience kindness because, again, you have to remember what we were. What we were was children of wrath. That's the only thing that we could be. That's the only thing that we could experience was wrath. But now, instead, we experience kindness. We experience grace. It's almost like God is turning us from children of wrath into children of God or something, right? And so we, we, we get to experience this kindness. And uh, if, it, if it wasn't even, uh, if that wasn't enough to make us alive, uh, but we also get to made, we get created into something uh, that could uh, experience the kindness of God. Uh, Paul goes on and he even says, uh, what, what more is, is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, this grace, again, is this kindness. It's a compassion. It's, it's pity. He, he gives us these things and it's saved by grace through faith. Now, there's all sorts of theological debates, and again, we're not going to get into this, is, well, so I have to respond in faith, and so that's a work, right? And, and Paul, he, he, like, he almost sees it coming, right? And so he makes this very clear. It's by, uh, by grace through faith, so that not, so this is not of yourself. And he says, it is the gift of God. Now, again, there's a lot of debate on if that gift is faith or if that gift is grace, and let's just squash the whole debate. Uh, the gift is salvation, okay? That's, that's the gift. So if you want to get into this whole debate on if faith is just responding to the gospel and that's the work that we have to do, and so there is some kind of component uh, to whether we choose God or not, let's just forget the whole thing. Salvation is the gift, and we did nothing for that gift. Both grace and faith, there are outcroppings of our response or this vivifying or being made alive. That is our gift. And again, Paul even goes on to the next bold point is so that no one may boast. We don't, we don't get to brag about this. And we already talked about this. Is this, this weird superiority complex that a lot, of, a lot of churches get, a lot of Christians get. It's just us against them. It's, no, 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 you don't get to brag on this, right? This isn't some weird spiritual flex where you can just be like, ah, look at us, like we're awesome, we have Christ and you don't. And it's, no, no, like they, they get Christ too. Uh, it's just actually your responsibility to go tell them about it. Right? Isn't, it, it, it actually should have the opposite effect. It should have a humbling effect. Because again, if God is immutable, he doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't actually even get anything from you. It's all him. And again, if you understand depravity, it's all the human race has chosen hell. We have, uh, we have made the choice uh, to follow disobedience, but God made a choice. He made a choice to get some of us into heaven, Right? So we have responsibility here. We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later. And the last bold point in, uh, in verse 10 is that we were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So what, what we are now is, uh, 
uh, again, we need to understand who God is, and he is a creator God. He creates, right? Uh, he makes things, uh, and so it, that, if that's not cool enough, uh, he makes things out of nothing. Uh, what's even cooler is he takes broken things and he makes them into something new. He recreates. He takes the broken pieces and he makes something completely different out of it. And again, like, like I said, it, it, it's like he's, he's making us out of children of disobedience into something like a child of God into something that can actually experience the grace and experience the boundless riches of his glory and grace for all of eternity. And so he, he has created us in Christ for good works. And this is this, is this major component, is, is, is we have been saved to work, right? Not only have we been given life, we've also been given work. And we, we have, uh, in, in February, we're going to be uh, praying and fasting uh, that God does something in Garden City, that he brings broken souls to, uh, to back to himself, that he, he reaches the lost, and we're asking that he does that through this church. So as we, as we focus on this aspect of we, uh, we pass from death into life, and as we focus on this aspect of we have work, there's, there's skin in this game, uh, we, we beg God, and that's what we're doing in February, uh, and, and I'm asking everyone, even if you're not going to like fast, or maybe you can't, um, but if, 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 even if you're not going to fast, just pray that God does something through us in this city. We're praying for lost souls. There's too much riding on the line. So the last thing I want us to focus on, we're going to back up to that uh, verse 6, and that's raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places. In Christ. So, uh, I, I want to focus on that. So we're going to look at, uh, at the, uh, the next text. We actually already looked at it um, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and that's in uh, verse one, or chapter 1, verse 20 through 22. And I'll just read that. Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church. If we are in Christ, where are we? Where is Christ in this passage? He's seated in heavenly places above all Authority, dominion, rule. And if we go back to verse 6, uh, Paul says, And we were raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. And we talked about this, is that if, sin con- or if, if Christ conquers death or sin and death through his death, then we too, right? And therefore, we are dead to sin. If Christ was raised, we too will be raised. If Christ is seated in heavenly places, if he has all authority uh, over dominion and powers, uh, then we too have authority. What, what if, and the, all, all those, uh, all those uh, verbs, they're all in the uh, present test, tense. There's, there's nothing future here, right? Nothing is found in the future tense in that passage. We have that now. What, what, if, what if the church felt that, right? What if we felt like we had authority over sin in our lives? 
What if we felt like we had authority over death? How, 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 would, how would church look, look if, we, if we believe this, if we had power over sin? Now, like I said, this doesn't mean that we don't sin, right? There are moments in this life uh, where we subject ourselves to sin. But we don't have to anymore, right? We, we, we have this component to where uh, it has no authority over us. Now, we make bad choices and we subject ourselves to that thing, uh, but we always have the option to then get back into where we need to be and be in authority over our sin. And again, we, we looked at that in 1 John, where John says, if anyone says that he's without sin, he's a liar, and just like, don't, don't talk to that guy, right? But also in 1 John, he says, if anyone goes on sinning, he's not of God. Right? And we talked about that. It's just like, well, okay, so which is it, John? Right? Uh, do we go on sinning? And, and that's, that's the, the crux of what we were talking about earlier. If you're broken about sin, you got something going on. You're responding to stimuli. That's good news. Right? You have authority. Right? Now, a lot of times that authority takes practice. Right? And we kind of grow in that. And that's the other aspect of our work. So we have life and we have work. And that work, a component of that work is also growing in our knowledge of God, growing in our knowledge of grace and our mercy. And so this, this last aspect is that we, we've been made alive, right? We've been given work. We've been given authority. And that's what we've been saved into. Even one of those things is just remarkable. But God's giving us so much more. He's given us all these spiritual blessings, so as we go throughout this week and as we, as we move into February, I, I want us to step into that. Step into that space of we have life, we have work, and we have authority. As we pray and fast and as we ask our Father for good gifts, uh, as, we, as, we, as we beg him that he, he saves an unsaved world, as, as he works in the hearts of unregenerate people, uh, and, and we're, we're begging him that he does that through us and he gives us that authority so that we can do his work adequately. Um, let, let's just stay focused on this and never forget where you were because that gives you a heart for your ex-brothers and sisters, Right? Uh, and never lose sight of who God is because he's done something radical in your life. And never lose sight of what we've been saved into because we have more than just life. We also have work and we also have authority. So as we go throughout this week, let's, uh, let's stay focused on that. And more specifically, as we pray and we fast this next month, let's, let's focus on that and let's lean into that. Let's go ahead and pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.